Remain calm and podcast. Keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, we're talking about four rules for effective delegation. Well, I am so excited about this topic because we all know that delegation is essential to successfully and sustainably scaling your business. However, if you're like a lot of us and you have struggled with delegation in the past, don't worry because you can vastly improve your delegation by following the four rules that we're gonna talk about today. So I'm pumped about this. This is probably the question we get asked more often than anything else is around delegation, especially from business owners and executives. So we're gonna take a deep dive today. I think this is literally the most important leadership skill you can learn if you want to be successful. All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. Yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, and we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, your best year ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on your Stanley mug? And if you got them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are gonna be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. They're great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. um, And this is going to be $75 off. And you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program, we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more. Okay, so today we're talking about delegation being essential to successfully and sustainably scaling your business. And we're going to give you four rules, and we're going to talk about everything you need to know about delegation, even if you've never been successful doing it in the past. So Megan, why don't you kick us off with the first rule? Yeah, well, this is the one that most people don't know to consider and implement. And it's one of the most important things you can ever consider if you're going to become a great delegator. And that is rule number one, identify your most high leverage work. And here's what I mean by that. You know, where can you as a business owner or a leader, an executive, invest your time to get a disproportionate return on investment, you know, where do you really get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of contribution and driving your organization or your team 
forward. Most leaders don't take the time to answer that question, but it's critical because if you don't know the answer to this question, you really uh, don't have the imperative around delegation that will help you figure the rest of it out. That's exactly right. And so what that looks like is that there are, uh, there's a lot of work you shouldn't be doing as a business owner. For example, work that other people can do better. Now, sometimes, let's be honest, as business owners, we have a little bit too much pride. You know, we think we are the solution or we're the only person that can do this thing up to our standards. But I'm telling you, that's a deception. It's not true. There are people out there in the world that can do what you want done and actually do it better than you. And if you if you don't believe that, just, you know, suspend disbelief and try it. Because I used to think this all the time. I remember thinking, you know, I was the right guy to lead our coaching intensives, that nobody could lead as well as I could lead these coaching intensives until I heard our coaches. And then I was like, holy smoke, they do this better than I do it. So there are definitely people out there that can do the very things that that you need done, but can actually do it better than you do it. Well, I think that's right. And in fact, probably most of what you spent your career doing will be candidates for someone else to do better than you. I think one of the great things about getting really clear on your highest leverage work is you realize you don't do that many things that well. You know, you can do a lot of things pretty well, but when you talk about what is my highest and best contribution, truly my highest leverage work to my business, I mean, there's probably just going to be a handful at most of things that fall into that category, which is um, can be a little unsettling, but is actually very freeing because you have almost unlimited resources in terms of the people that you can pull into your organization over time to help really take things to the next level. Totally. Well, there's a second category of things that others can do better than you, and that's that other, other people may actually enjoy the things that you hate doing. Yeah. Right? So this is a lot of the reason why people have difficulty delegating. They think, well, I don't like it. I hate doing this. Everybody on the planet must hate doing this. That's not true either. So I learned this, you know, the hard way, I suppose, because I have such an amazing executive assistant now who does things that I don't enjoy and does them so well and enjoys them. And so it's it's not a chore anymore to delegate those things to him because I know that he gets joy out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have a great story about this. So when we're recording this, this is Monday, and every Monday morning I start my day off, and in the week, in fact, off with a one-on-one meeting with my executive assistant. And so one of the things that I had put on my list uh, as a part of my weekly big three today, as part of the full focus system, was to update my ideal week, which is a time blocking strategy to really kind of put some of this into practice, this idea of, you know, highest leverage work. And then also to create a company ideal week, really update our company ideal week, because that goes along with some other operational initiatives that we have. And so I had this on the list and I'm, you know, what part of my agenda with her is I go through my weekly big three and I tell her, you know, what, here are my priorities for the week. And she goes, uh, well, um, I've actually already done that for you. <laughs> she said, I, I made a draft last week. I was out of town last week. She said, I made a draft of your updated ideal week. And I went ahead and I checked with some people, uh, you know, the other executives, and I created uh, a draft of what I think should be the company ideal week. All I really need you do, to do is just to review them and give me your feedback. Probably 15 to 20 minutes will be plenty for that. 
Well, like in one minute, I had accomplished one of my weekly big three because I did it actually through her. And she's so confident that she did it without me even asking her to do it. She just anticipated that that was something that I was going to need done. And, and that just frees me up to put something else in that slot that's really even higher leverage. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Where's the confetti? Okay, we need the confetti. That is amazing. That's a great story. And that's what happens when delegation works like it's supposed to work. Okay, there's a third category though. Third category, this causes business owners to hesitate to delegate. And it's when they think that uh, they don't consider the cost involved, what it costs for them to actually do it. So I want to give you a quick hack on this to figure out your hourly rate. So whatever your annual salary is, if you're a leader. Okay, can I stop you for just a second? Because I just want to back up. I want to just kind of, you know, be the proxy for our audience for a second. Why do you need to know what your hourly rate is? Why is that critical to not doing stuff that somebody could do less expensively that you hire? Because you don't want to be in a situation where you're paying somebody yourself twice or four times as much as you could get somebody else to do it for. Okay, I'm going to illustrate here in a minute. So stick with me. Okay, we got to do the exercise first. Okay, so take your annual salary or the income that you reported to the IRS if you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur. Take your the income that you reported to the IRS and divide that number by 2,000. So just simple math. If you make $100,000 a year and divide that by 2,000, you make $50 an hour. Okay, that's the number of hours with two weeks of vacation. So 40 times 50, 2000. That's where I got that number. Okay. So if you could hire, for example, a graphic designer, and I, I have, I'm totally making this up, but if you could hire a graphic designer to do something that you decide you're going to try yourself at $50 an hour, if you could hire them for $25 an hour, then you're overpaying by twice. And worse, you're probably not good at that thing that you won't delegate or not that good at it. You're definitely not as good as you think you are. But to get somebody that's professionally, you know, equipped to do that, if you make $200 an hour and you could hire a web developer for $50 an hour and you insist on doing the web development, you're an idiot. <laughs> now, the, the reason- we, we say that with love. <laughs> we say that with love. And I'm actually speaking to my former self because I did that for years. I was doing web development and I wasn't that good at it. And in fact, when I hired my first bona fide web developer, he said to me, I'm only willing to do this if you'll promise me you'll never touch the back end of WordPress again. <laughs> and I said, deal. And he was so much better than I was at a fraction of the cost of what my time was worth. So again, this is a reason why business owners and leaders don't delegate, but it's also a reason they should. It just makes economic sense. Did I answer your question, Megan? Well, yeah. I, you know, the other part is that we forget is that when we're not doing something that we're particularly proficient in, like maybe we can do just enough to get by, like maybe, you know, just enough HTML to, you know, do some damage, it's probably going to take you way longer. And oh. I think we forget as business owners that our time is not free. You know, just because you are not paid an hourly rate and you're taking draws or, you know, whatever, does not mean that you're a free resource. In fact, you're the most expensive resource that your company has. And so this is not about 
And I think this is where people get hung up, especially sometimes Christians. You know, we can get hung up on, well, I don't want to communicate that I'm above this work. You know, I'm willing to do anything. Good grief. I've cleaned the toilets in my office. I've, you know, done uh, the the mail run. I've mailed my own stuff to FedEx. I've, you know, ordered the furniture. I've done every job in my business. Like in our business, I don't think, except for web development, nobody wants me to do that. I have done every single job in the company, except for being the CFO and web development, pretty much everything else I've done, including taking care of the office itself. And I I mean, there's nothing I wouldn't be willing to do. And yet part of stewardship of, of myself as a resource and being able to take care of the people I'm responsible for is not using my time in a way that doesn't get the greatest return on investment because that's really part of what's required of me as a business owner is I have to make sure that I'm being a good steward of my time so I can create opportunity for other people. And I don't think we think about it that that much. We really kind of want to be servant-hearted leaders, which I'm all for. And, you know, there, there is a time and a place for that. But just the other half of that is serving people by being a good steward of your own time as the business owner. It's so true. And there's such a lost opportunity cost. And oftentimes these activities, like for me, it was web development. It's where I went to hide from doing the most important work that actually moved the business forward, but took a little bit more courage. Like it didn't take any courage for me to get into the back end of WordPress, you know, and I could make an excuse that, well, you know, I know I need to be, you know, calling that person back and seeing if I can book that speaking engagement, but, you know, I need to work on my website. Right. And that was just easier and more comfortable for me and didn't require that much from me. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is what we got to be careful of because all that time that I was doing all those things or doing the things that were related to administration, once I hired a virtual executive assistant, one of the best decisions I ever made, then all of a sudden it freed up my time to do those revenue producing activities that really moved the business forward. And that's that's what's at stake in this whole matter of, of delegation and why it's related to scaling. Okay, can I can I tell you an embarrassing story that just happened this morning? So I told you a great story about, you know, my big triumph of this morning of, you know, having <laughs> this thing where Elizabeth figures out my idea week. Okay, great. Well, then not 30 minutes later, you know, I completely fall off the wagon. And for about 30 minutes, I'm going around the office and I'm watering all the plants. Okay, so what you may not know about me, folks, is that I... Emma, a plant lady. There's like cat ladies and then there's plant ladies. And I'm definitely not a cat lady, but I definitely am a plant lady. And you want to talk about, we'll talk, come back to the Freedom Compass in a second. You want to talk about distraction zone? Like, I love these plants. I want to take care of them. But basically, I had not effectively delegated the care of the plants in the office. I'd been gone for a week. We have a new uh, person who's running our office. And so I hadn't had a chance to circle up with her. And I'm like going around taking care of the plants. Now, I actually enjoy that. And it is wasting the company's resources for me to be doing that because we actually have somebody who, among many other important things, takes care of the plants uh, in the office. And so uh, I realized this is after about 30 minutes. And I said, Mary Beth, OK, let's talk about the plants. Actually, she said that to me now that I think about it. She was like, hey, tell me what you want me to do with these plants. And so I explained it to her. Well, I'm never going to have to touch the plants again. I love the plants. I will get to enjoy them. But I will not be the one running around watering the 400 plants that I have in our office. And I'm only exaggerating by about 10%. Here's here's what I've realized in this uh, recording of this episode. It basically takes a committee to keep you in your lane. Me personally? Yeah, you personally. (laughs) Wait a second. 
second. What happened? What happened? I mean, <laughs> there's, there's Mary Beth and there's Elizabeth and there's me. At well, least, you know, and we can turn these tables. Bigger. Listen, we can turn these tables, and I can tell on you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I think it takes at least five daughters plus a whole support team for you. So let's not well, forget. You're not wrong. Marissa, I cannot tell you how excited I am for your best year ever live coming up January 5th. Yes, I'm so excited too. I can't wait. Yes, this is the event that you would want to come attend if you're just like, man, I want to look at how well did I do in the past, but I also want to set myself up for success to have, like we call it in the title, your best year ever. This is the event you want to be at. We have thousands of people coming to this event already. And you and I will be emceeing this event. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement to come join us to make it a great year for you. Now, in order for you to receive it, all you have to do is buy the full focus goal setting course and you get a ticket to your best year ever. Yes. And the best part is that that course is 25% off right now. So uh, you're going to get a discount and a ticket to the live event, which is normally $197. That's a killer so deal. So it's a killer deal. It's a no-brainer in my opinion. Um, but definitely join us. It's going to be so much fun. January 5th, it's totally virtual. So no matter where you are in the world or um, you know whether you can get on a plane or not, don't worry about it. You don't have to. You can do this from the comfort of your own home. And we'll be right there. Yeah. And just imagine having your goals already set for the entire year and a plan to execute them. Yeah. That's worth all the money that you can. And the best part, it's a free event for you if you buy the Full Focus Goal Setting Course. Yes. All right. Well, we would love to see you there. So make sure to go to fullfocusstore.com and take advantage of this deal. We'd love to see you at your best driver live. Okay, rule number two is to select the best person to delegate to. Now, we've kind of talked around the edges of this thing that we call the freedom compass. That's literally a thing that we teach in our course, Free to Focus. It's also something that we spend an entire day on with our business accelerator coaching clients, but it's basically a way of organizing your work and deciding where you should focus. So there's two axes one is passion and one's proficiency. And I'm not going to go through all four zones, but it creates four zones, like a four quadrant kind of matrix. So the one where you have passion and where you have proficiency, in other words, the things that you do well, plus the things you enjoy, that equals something we call the desire zone. And that's where as a business owner in particular, you need to be spending 90 to 95% of your time. The opposite of that, just to give you a flavor for what's involved in the Freedom Compass, It's what we call the drudgery zone, and that's where you have no passion, you don't enjoy it, and you're not very good at it. You should never be touching it, right? But the cool thing is, and this comes back to uh, this whole thing about finding the right person to delegate to, there are people, believe it or not, that love the things you hate and are good at the things you're not very good at. And that's the kind of person you need to pick when you delegate to is somebody for whom the delegation, preferably, is going to be in their desire zone. This is something they're good at, something they enjoy. Now, you can't always do that, but insofar as you can do it, it makes for a good experience for that person and for you, and they're just going to be better at it. 
Yeah, I, th- I think this is such a helpful filter. One of the reasons I love the Freedom Compass is that it enables you to take, for example, in this context, all the things that need to be done in your organization and kind of run them through a filter and sort them so you know these things are really the highest and best use of me. And these are the things that are candidates for delegation. And then you can start matching up you know, here are these people on my team. Maybe those people are contractors. Maybe those people are employees. And and you can start really arranging the things that need to be done along the lines of other people's strengths, you know, or their proficiencies and their passion. I mean, we talk a lot about executive assistants. And I think the reason that that's such a great case study for this is, in general, the kind of person that makes a great executive assistant is usually a very different kind of person than the kind of person that makes a great business owner or entrepreneur, just temperamentally. You know, usually entrepreneurs are all about starting, they're all about big ideas, they like to fly at 30,000 feet, which is great and a disaster unless they have some great support. You know, they've got to have people who have the natural energy. Uh, We use the Colby, K-O-L-B-E assessment a lot in our organization, but they talk in that about kind of the natural way you initiate work. And a lot of business owners initiate work through what's called quick start. You know, it's like, let me just get into it and I'll figure the rest out later. And and that's just sort of how I engage the world. Whereas a lot of executive assistants like Elizabeth, uh, my executive assistant, Jim, your executive assistant, they initiate with either fact finder, you know, they're really good at collecting information and sorting through that and making recommendations or follow through, which is really about planning. You and I, Dad, I think are, are great examples of business owners and entrepreneurs and and leaders. You know, we don't have a lot of energy for doing the kind of logistics and coordination and the finishing work that's so mission critical. And so it, it's important that when we're talking about something like planning a trip or preparing for an important meeting, creating a presentation for an important meeting, getting briefed on that planning an event, things that an executive assistant who's uh, at a really high level might do for you, you want to match those tasks up with the people who are just naturally wired to love them and to do them well. And I think that, um, you know, that's a great example of what we're talking about here. Well, here's another reason why this is important. I think a lot of business owners beat themselves up and they feel like they're not enough. Yeah. They think, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really visionary. I do that well but I can't seem to follow through on my ideas. And and so they kind of shame themselves into a a position of never really trying stuff that's big and important. The problem is they think they got to do everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of delegation. We know that it doesn't all rely on us. We know that we have to have a team. If our our dream's big enough, it's going to require a team. And that's okay. And if you've got the right team, and if you hire people that complement you as opposed to people who are clones of you, right. and that's a major distinction, you want compliments, not clones. But if you have the right complement, then you can stay kind of in your desire zone where, where you're doing your best work and really making the biggest contribution to your company and somebody else is handling that part of it that you don't do as well. And that's perfectly okay. In fact, I would say that's how it ought to work. And that's how it works best. And definitely, if you're going to scale, that's how you got to do it. So an example of this would be preparing for an annual team meeting. So this is something that most of us as business owners or leaders, we do every year. You know, we present our vision for the year and our plan uh, to the whole team, right? Well, uh, 
you know, this can become pretty complicated. You can have a, a pretty elaborate presentation that you do. We certainly do. We have a big keynote deck. There's all kinds of data that has to be pulled in from the prior year and comparative data and graphics and tables and, all, you know, all kinds of stuff to do this. Well, I, I don't love to do that at all. I'm really good at coming up with a vision for what I want the outcome of the presentation to be, kind of thinking about it in broad strokes, but I do not enjoy, and I know you actually do enjoy this, Dad, but I don't enjoy building the presentation itself. However, Erin Perry, who uh, has been up until recently, my chief of staff, I just promoted her to our executive team as our chief experience officer, but she has been responsible for creating that whole presentation, which involves running down a whole host, probably 15 people to get all the pieces and parts that she needs to create that presentation. I, I think it probably takes her 40 hours or more to build that deck. She's working with the designers, all the different things. And what's great, what my my unique contribution is delivering the presentation. You know, like nobody else can do that in the way that I can do it, especially because of my role. That is my job to cast the vision for the year and enroll the team so that they're aligned and ready to execute. But she is the best person to design that presentation so that it helps to accomplish that. And man, she did it so much better than I can. She's a whiz at Keynote. She understands Photoshop and all kinds of other stuff. Plus she can see how to project manage all the, the information gathering that's a part of that, which is very complex and time consuming. And the, the result is one, that's really satisfying for her. She loves that part of her job. And for me, I'm able to serve our team by really presenting a compelling vision that's made possible by her strengths. So good. That's a great example, the perfect example. Okay, so four rules for effective delegation. Rule number one, identify your most high leverage work. Rule number two, select the best person to delegate uh, to. And rule number three, empower delegates to win. Okay, so how do you do this? Well, this is where a lot of people go wrong. I mean, either it's the fact that they don't know what their highest leverage work is or that when they finally convince themselves, yeah, I got to delegate, you know, my time is really valuable and I'm the bottleneck and I got to, you know, kind of clear the decks and whatever. The the problem is, is they just sort of, <laughs> they just kind of toss it out there and they hope people can read their mind. I mean, wouldn't that be nice, you know? Unfortunately... You know, they, they haven't figured out the mind reading yet. So you're going to have to, in your capacity as the business owner, cast vision. I think sometimes we think about vision as like our long-term vision for the company and certainly is that, but it's also our vision for all the all the things that we want to initiate. Usually people get stuck in delegation who are, who are being delegated to because the person doing the delegating, i.e. you and me, do not share the vision that we have in a way that people can really execute on. There's more questions than answers. They feel hesitant because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake and not fulfill your expectations. They they have big chunks of missing information or they're not empowered, you know, to make the financial decisions they need to make. And so it's really important that you uh, communicate your vision, preferably in writing, so that you can hand it off to them and it's both concrete and explicit. It's not living up in your head. No, we're not guessing and going to end up 
with two different interpretations, but write out what you want. So if you have an event that you're going to, let's say you're hosting a dinner for your most important clients, for example, you know, if you can identify what's the outcome that I want for that event, and here are the particulars of what I'm thinking needs to be included, you know, uh, we actually have a form for this that we teach our coaching clients called a vision caster. The whole point of this is to excavate the vision that you have in your head and get it down on paper so that you can hand it off easily. But in lieu of that, just getting clear on here's what I want to do, here's why, and here's kind of what needs to be included is really, really helpful to set the person you're delegating up uh, for success. This is so good. And clarity is the prerequisite for execution. Yes. And the great thing about writing this down in a simple form, and you don't have to use our form, but uh, just to write it down causes you to get clear on what it is that you're after to define the win in advance. And I can remember back when we did the Achieve Conference, I don't remember what year that was, but maybe four or five years ago, but uh, we had this idea for the Achieve Conference. And I remember writing this down, what the outcome was that I wanted. And then I checked in occasionally, but not really that much. But I can remember walking into that event and being blown away. There was a time when I would have micromanaged that. But I didn't need to micromanage that because I had an amazing team that executed it. And the reason they were able to execute it was they were clear on the outcome. Now, here's a little secret. I didn't care how they got there, right? There's a lot of different routes to get to the same destination. And if I had fixated on, you've got to use this vendor and they've got to show up at this time and then you've got to do this thing and all the details that make up the road that leads to that destination, in other words, the strategy, that wouldn't have been the best use of my time. And it might not even have been the best or easiest or cheapest solution. But I left all that to them. To this day, I don't know all the different details of it. What I do know is the outcome exceeded my expectations. And that's exactly what you want in a delegation. If you define the win, you give the people that are working for you the opportunity to exceed your expectations and wow you and delight themselves. You know what's funny? You were talking about micromanaging. And I think in an effort to avoid micromanaging, we actually don't give the people that are reporting to us enough direction up front. We we end up micromanaging very often because we don't provide the clarity and the vision up front that people need to be empowered to act without, you know, our constant handholding. And so then we get like halfway down the road with the project, or you know, maybe in, in your example, you show up to the event. And there are all kinds of things that seem wrong to you because it was not clear on what the the big picture was at the beginning. And then you start nitpicking and you start saying like, oh, well, why did you choose that color? Or, you know, why didn't we have the registration time started at this time? You know, and instead, if you cast the vision up front, it's really the antidote to micromanaging because you have that big picture, everybody's aligned around it, and then you can be hands off. But if you don't do that, I can almost guarantee that if, you, if you're a person who cares about excellence, you will micromanage on the back end. I've done it myself um, because you're going to care about the outcome. And if that wasn't clear, then it's probably not going to be delivered and you're going to try to fix it in the end. And this leads right into rule number four, which is follow-up is needed. Now, this assumes that you start with a vision, not this big grandiose vision for the for the entire business, as important as that is, but the vision for the project and for a successful completion of the project. So assuming you've done that, then rule number four is that you've got to follow up as needed. You don't want to do this thing that some uh, people call seagull management. 
you know, where you kind of fly into the situation and how can I say this diplomatically, make a mess and then fly <laughs> off, right? And because that that is that just confuses everybody, it doesn't really add any value, and it's not creating the kind of accountability. It's just it's just help that's not needed. But you do have to have accountability. So there's got to be a rhythm where you check in, get them to report on the milestones that they're achieving or how it's going, so that so that you don't have to wait till the end that they're going to miss it by a country mile. So you want to make sure that it's on track along the way, but you've got to exercise some self restraint and not be a micromanager. You know, one of the things that we also teach our clients are some some kind of levels of delegation, which I don't think we have time to get into today, but basically defining where we expect there to be approvals, you know? So mm-hmm. you're on the same page about, I want to approve this, but you're free to do these other things without my approval. And man, if I think about where I've gotten into conflicts with people who've reported to me, I think this is one of those places that is like quicksand if you don't define it up front. And it's really easy, especially in a small organization where you have a lot of rapport with the people who report to you and you know, maybe you've had long relationships, is that you you don't put enough clarity in place around those approvals. And that's when you can come in and make a mess, as you said, because all of a sudden you realize that your expectations around approvals were misaligned and that can cause delegation to go sideways pretty quickly. So I think that's another piece that is important to just make sure you've covered. As you're thinking about accountability, you need to make sure that you've provided clarity around what you want to approve and and what you don't care about so you don't uh, end up with, with misaligned expectations. That's great. Okay, so we've talked today about four rules for effective delegation. Rule number one, identify your most high leverage work. That's for you. Number two, select the best person to delegate to, preferably someone for whom the work will be in their desire zone of the Freedom Compass. Number three, empower delegates to win. And number four, follow up as needed. Megan, any final thoughts? I think this is one of those things that's important to remember it's a skill. It's not a trait. Like no one comes out of the womb just a champion delegator. (laughs) You know, that's not how it works. This is something that we all develop. I think probably it comes more naturally to some of us than others, but it's a critical leadership skill. It's a critical skill. If you're going to scale your business, you're gonna have to scale yourself. Otherwise you will become the ceiling on your business growth. And so if you're gonna be really serious about business growth, you've got to raise that ceiling and part of the way you do that is you delegate. And so I think it's worth uh, putting in the time and honing the ability to delegate effectively because it will be one of the most effective strategies for your own business growth that there there ever could be. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think that uh, that's very helpful. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been helpful to you in your delegation journey, but we look forward to talking to you next time. Until then, lead to win.
All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on your Stanley mug? And if you got them on on Black Friday, these are different. These are going to be new for the new year. Uh, But they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner. You can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. But they're great. Good. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. Um, and this is going to be $75 off and you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's huge. like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more.